hello everybody and welcome to my podcast. This is Rachel Paling and this is another wonderful episode of my What is Language Coaching podcast. And today I am absolutely honored and thrilled to be with Professor Camille Hamiloglu, who is a professor at the University, Marmara University in Istanbul, Turkey. Hello, how are you? Fine, yourself? I'm really fine. I'm really fine. I'm thrilled because we are at the IATFL conference in Liverpool. You were perfect in your session today. Oh, thank your you. Your session was marvellous. Fantastic. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. And it was wonderful to see you because we met nearly two years ago yeah, in London. Yeah, yeah. And you have an, an amazing... A wonderful conference. Well, you have an amazing experience in the language world. So can you tell our listeners your language experience? Okay. Um, it's been 36 years. Um, I've started first as an English teacher. So then I became a teacher trainer. Yes. So after doing my master's and doctoral, um, I started working at a university in Istanbul. So um, my PhD was in educational sciences and adult education. So then I did um, another PhD at the University of Leicester. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but throughout my teaching career, I was dealing with teaching methodology, English language teaching methodology, applied linguistics, and TESOL. Yes. So uh, it's been now um, 36 years in total um, as a teacher, teacher trainer, writer, yes. editor and uh, teacher educator. Wow. And I have to say, Camille, I'm absolutely honoured because a couple of years ago you contacted me to to come and take part in my course. And honestly, you were the first... um, Scholar? Academic (laughs) professor. And it was wonderful because you also shared your experience. You, You really gave that input. And it was fantastic to, to really be with you and, and working a little bit with the coaching and, and the changing of, you know, what we're doing together with your wealth of experience as well. So I'm eternally grateful to you for that. Thank you. Yes. And how do you think the language industry has changed in these 36 years? All right. Um, when I first started, it was the first steps of application of com- communicative language teaching, but it was very clumsy in the beginning. So we were following books uh, which were the mixture of old methodology and first communicative techniques. So everybody was trying we to try um, to find what that was to be communicative in classes. Yeah. So it was something new, even if in nineteen. Um, 84, 5 and afterwards Mm -hmm. so everybody was trying to understand what was going on Um, so um, with the first steps of um, such a new methodology everybody was um, questioning their all uh, you know their own t- teaching cultures, mm-hmm. so learning cultures, um, because that was something um, told by others English-speaking countries, mm-hmm. but um, people teaching their local uh, places, countries, uh, were trying to adapt the new ideas, and it was mm-hmm. not easy. So, um, as a teacher, I first started to um, um, see how. I could be um, implementing 
um, the methodology I learned at school at university. Yes. Um, uh, but I found out that it was not easy because there was a very strong Turkish learning culture of my students. Yeah. So I was uh, looking at the others, old teachers. So, um, but I found them so conventional and I thought there was something wrong with it because what we learned at university uh, was not um, the same what teachers we were observing in schools right. um, doing. Yeah. So this questioning um, caused me to decide to do something about it. So yeah. I decided to do a master and uh, I started working um, doing my masters and later doctorals and became an academic meanwhile. So mm-hmm. I started to train teachers uh, for big uh, university press um, publishers, Oxford yeah. University Press. So um, while um, teaching teachers, I discovered myself as well. So mm-hmm. teaching teachers taught me a lot yeah. um, about teaching itself. So that practical um, teaching methodology um, told me that I should be learning more about theory as well. Mm -hmm. So um, both working in the field and also dealing with the theoretical base uh, Mm -hmm. at university um, gave me a very rich um, background source. So, So... but I could tell you, not only in Turkey, since yeah. I started, I mean, um, things are not changing very quickly mm-hmm. from the perspective of the teacher. Mm-hmm. Students are changing, yes. but teachers are not changing very quickly. Yeah. So I could tell you, um, during these 36 years, mm-hmm. while training teachers, educating students to be teachers, mm-hmm. um, what I saw that... Um, there is a resistance of uh, implementing new ideas because there was the comfort of uh, the old and uh, tried. The resistance. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what I could say, you asked me what changes I observed. So, yes. I could tell you that uh, the, the strongest part of this story is the students, is the learner. So um, they are adapting themselves to the uh, environment and conditions yeah. very fast. Yeah. Uh, but since the teachers cannot do the same thing, yeah. uh, there is a mismatch situation. Yeah. So at the, big, at, the, at the moment, we are talking about very progressive methodologies in mm. teaching languages. Mm. Um, uh, of course, teachers. Some teachers try to um, apply these ideas, uh, but there are lots of gaps in between teachers teaching and students learning. Yeah. So uh, we are today talking about task-based applications. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about uh, brain-based learning. We are yeah. talking about CLIL uh, and lots of new ideas. Yeah. Um, but if the teachers are not, uh, you know, believing in this they are still working with the direct method of 1880s 1920s so we are not of course expecting teachers to follow one single method at the moment Mm. but we expect teachers to be aware 
of their learners yes. and how they learn, what they want, yeah. what is to be a learner at this age and in this century. Yeah. So I think the first thing um, to be the part of the change, mm. then to look at um, today's necessities because of the learners changing. Yes. So um, I could tell you, yes, lots of things changed, mm, yes. but there are things not changing. Yeah. And mostly the teachers need to be part of the change because yes. change will bring, bring development. So Absolutely. change means development. Yes. So I can't say um, in these 36 years uh, there are really big developments mm. because uh, the change is mainly on the surface. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's one of the drives that I attended your course, also, yes. although I knew that it was not an academic conference in the beginning. Yeah. But later you combined many things to that. Yes. So I, yeah. I find now lots of academic bits in that as well. Yes. Uh, so my interest there was, it was related to brain yeah. and uh, looking for the ways of learning. Mm. So anything about learners, mm. uh, could be related to us yes. as teachers, teacher trainers, teacher educators. Yep. So, yes, from, from, uh, from the new steps of communicative method today, mm. we have a rich variety of independent methods, yep. a mixture. So people talk about post-method era, yep. uh, Brown's you know, post-method era idea. So um, I think... The biggest change I could tell you that the necessity of awareness of both teachers and learners, yeah. Yeah. if it's the answer of your question. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, obviously now there is this trend of coaching. So let's, let's keep neural language coaching separate because you and I know what that okay. is. All but right. for our listeners, you know, what is this idea of what is language coaching? Language coaching. Okay. What is it? All right. For you. All right. The first drive I told you. Um, why did I deal with that? Because I'm very interested in autonomy. Yes. Autonomy of learner. Yes. So um, we've been questioning uh, how to give responsibility to learners mm. of their own learning. Yeah. So this story began with humanistic approaches mm. to ask the learners what they really want. Yes. Um, why they want it. Yes. Uh, but in EFL methodology, it was not dealt with mm. enough. Yeah. So I, I talked about the awareness level of teachers. Mm. I didn't find it enough uh, the way that the teachers are dealing with the learners. Uh, autonomy, yes. uh, why they learn things and how they take the responsibility yes. of uh, their own learning. So this was very based on reflection. We know mm. today that mm. autonomy is very um, uh, related to um, reflection. Mm. So I thought any brain-based learning, you know, as neuro-linguistic learning, I thought about the connotation of the word, yes. so could be related to uh, autonomy of learner. Absolutely. So um, I, I looked for the place of awareness in that. Yeah. So because of that, I attended your conference and I found my answer partially yes. yeah. over there because yeah. I'm still questioning things, yeah. you see. Um, so I could tell you, I, I, I think I told you that time that that was the um, most effective um, 
humanistic conference that I ever attended. That's right. That was the remember. first new language yeah. coaching yeah, conference it was. in Germany. Um, yes. You were one of the pioneers. I got fascinated uh, with the content with that right was covered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was fascinated yeah. with the you know content covered there because I saw that you were dealing with the awareness of the learner because yes. with the questions you were asking the learners, yeah. you were giving the responsibility of their own learning yeah. and you were you were raising the consciousness level of the learner That's and right. consciousness level of um, you know understanding yes. um, uh, not only grammar yeah. but also the uh, you know components <laughs> of language yeah. um, normally in the classes teachers explain and uh, students are regurgitators yes. just swallow things for some yes. days and then you the know, parents. vomit later yes. and forget forever. Yeah. So I found the relationship with this um, to, of course, with oh, yeah, um, Bloom's taxonomy mm-hmm. and uh, Osbell's learning theory yeah. and uh, Prussian's, um, yes. you know, uh, assumptions. So every, yeah. everything was combining there yeah. uh, because for the first time I saw um, the student was questioned uh, not questioned, it's a wrong word, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, uh, the student was provoked yeah. for thinking yeah. um, uh, about what she was, he was learning. Exactly. So, through yeah. very clever questions, yes. without pushing, yeah. without forcing, yeah. um, without um, blaming for mistakes. Yeah. So um, every question was bringing a new question Mm -hmm. and the questions were created already by the students sometimes, by the learner in your case. Mm -hmm. So I like this awareness practice. So because I'm welcoming all awareness practices because I believe that learning could be possible through awareness. Absolutely. If we're not not aware of anything, we can't learn anything. Yes. So I think the key of 21st century learning is awareness. I love that word. Yeah. You know I love that word. (laughs) So I think the key of um, critical thinking is awareness. Yes. So if you're aware, you're happy, by the way. Yes. Because if you're aware of your learning, you become Mm. happy for yourself that you Mm. are getting something in life. Yes. But if you're sitting somewhere... During the day, in a classroom, for example, um, not being aware of anything becoming around you or becoming to you, um, that's that's really, that's not having a value. Well, it's it's learning from the subconscious programs, but not having the conscious and the subconscious together at the same time. So it's like a... Exactly. It's exactly. not a learning process. Exactly. Yeah. So we train, we uh, educate teachers. I'm a teacher educator. We yeah. use a word, becoming teacher. Yes. Becoming. So yeah. in your in your case, with neuro linguistic um, neuro language. Neuro language. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Neuro language um, coaching. Um, this becoming is happening. Yes. Student becomes something. Yeah. So student becomes a learner, yes. but becomes a practitioner, yes. also um, becomes a discoverer. Yep, self-discovery. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this discovery part of that, um, cons- you know, was my concern. Mm-hmm. And I like this process. Mm-hmm. And I like one more point about it. Uh, you were doing it uh, 
without feeling any stress um, to be based on, you know, any school. Um, you were, at the first place, taking the learner's self, which is quite important. But I believe that this should be supported more with research and more assumptions and theory later. Yes. But as a source of uh, awareness and discovery learning, Mm. uh, it has got a value to to consider, not to ignore. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you. you. It's wonderful because, you know, I know that you do have this wealth of experience and, and honestly... Um, meeting you first at the New Language Conference was amazing, and then greeting you onto the course um, one and a half years ago. I think in London, two years, two two years, years ago in Germany, and last year in, and then London. in, in yes. London. Yes. yes, I mean it's just for me, it was just an honour, really. And Thank I know that much. in the future we will be very much connected, and we're hoping to see you in Lisbon as well. So, how do you see the future of language learning? Language learning is, I think, becoming more and more individual. Uh, an individual process um, uh, in terms of the effort but absolutely a social process um, uh, you know uh, to form learning I believe in Wenger's Etienne Wenger's ideas Mm. that learning begins in the brain but finishes in social actions yeah. That is quite important yes so um, uh, especially language learning yeah yeah, exactly. Because language is for communication, absolutely for communication. Yeah. So language is an is a so- social action, yeah. right? Um, the, in this process, you trigger the individual um, action, yeah. uh, but through um, exchanging ideas with the coach, it's already a social action. Yes. So, um, according to Wenger's social mechanism uh, of learning. Right, language learning could take place easier than an absolute um, individual act because in this process there is also social acts, yes. uh, which we put a condi- as a condition, right? Yep. Uh, an exchange, a social ex- exchange is there. So I like this dimension of that. So uh, it begins in the brain of the individual with triggering the um, process with your questions, with coaches' questions. And then um, uh, through the exchange of ideas throughout this questioning, Mm -hmm. it becomes also a social action. So communication is already there. So you've got two processes at one time yes so i like it's um uniting power yes so um i find lots of things in it Mm. so i find cognitive learning in that but also social sharing right and communicative act in it yes so in a way it combines lots of uh elt methodology too absolutely and i think you know i always say it's about embracing everything from the past and bringing it into the 21st century yeah yeah and i know that's what you're doing as well from your teacher training as well yeah yeah of course it's it could be open to debate yes there could be many new questions all yeah. right um such as um for example in terms of grammar mm-hmm. um, when we started dealing with grammar we were so harsh in the classical times and in the 
you know, 17th and 16th and 18th centuries, that we were working with patterns, with patternized, isolated teaching. Yeah. And later, uh, we ignored grammar, we ignored form um, with the communicative method. And then we brought back the form with yeah. the task-based learning. Yeah. So, uh, But what we need is both form and meaning. We should not ignore it. That's right. So what we did, what we have done during the history of ELT or EFL um, uh, teaching or learning, um, what we have done was ignoring one part of language, the function of language. Yeah. So it was either the meaning or form. So they should get married. Right. So in the future, yeah, they should we need get to married. embrace yeah. them and get them right. married together. So, yeah. Yes. So I think this process could be the marriage that yes. I am talking about. Yes. Um, if it's uh, really understood, yeah. but also um, uh, fed with uh, research yes. and uh, you know more practice yes. and uh, with more autonomy. Yes. So it's going to be the futures. I think, uh, new marriage and language learning. Fantastic. So. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so meaning and form, hand yes. in hand. Yes. Um, individually beginning in the brain of the learner and yes. going on with social action, yes. what we want. Yes. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm connecting also the marriage of brain and heart. Yeah. The coherence. Yeah. yeah. We've spoken yeah. about that yeah. in the conferences. Yeah. 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 We will speak about it again yeah. in Lisbon. This, yeah. this coherence of heart and brain. Exactly. Again, we have that yeah. Yeah. alchemical yeah. marriage. Exactly. And, and exactly. this is what we need to do with the language. Yeah. Yes. We can't ignore the emotions of human beings while learning. Absolutely not. Uh, Cognitive path is not the only thing, right. and also there is social, cultural, you yes. know, uh, kinesthetic, yep. all aspects of learning over there. Yes. So, I believe that this. Um, I'm not saying new, but um, revised version of thinking yes. uh, yep. will will give a new perspective, dimension to learning of languages. Fantastic, and I know that you're doing that. I know that you really are bringing that breath of fresh air to teachers all over the world as well. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. And I really do hope to see you in Lisbon. And, you know, I'm already preparing the conference for next year and I'm going to tell our listeners that I've already booked you to speak Thank in the conference for next year. Thank you. Absolutely, Thank you, absolutely. Thank you. So just to my listeners to say thank you for listening and tune in for another podcast next week. Yeah.